Welcome to the IT Wellness Pro Podcast. My name is Luke James and I am the Wellness Pro. On today's episode, we're going to be covering two topics. First, we're going to cover, as I said last week, the frequency and length of a podcast. How long should they be and how regular should you release? We're also going to cover a lesson because in that first episode, I made a mistake. Did anyone out there notice the mistake that I made? We'll be covering that in our lesson for today. But first, let's get on to our topic. Frequency and length of a podcast is probably the most common question that I get. And I can completely understand because it's essentially saying, how much work do I have to put in in order to make a podcast each week? Uh, One of the great things about podcasting is there's no rules. There's no right answer and there's no wrong answer. Uh, I listen to podcasts that are daily to three monthly from 30 minutes to four hours. Uh, There's a great variety uh, available to us uh, with the podcasting medium. Uh, A part of that's because it's on demand. There's no time slot to fit into. Uh, It's just what works for you and what works for your audience. So first, let's look at uh, release schedule. How often should I put out a podcast? By far, the most common frequency is weekly. Uh, Weekly is great because it puts you inside the regular weekly schedule of that person. You know, on Thursdays, I download the podcast and then I listen to it on my commute. And so Thursdays is, you know, X's podcast day. Um, For me, it works out more like I listen to my daily podcasts first and I get rid of all those and then I move on to the weekly ones, uh, mostly because the daily ones tend to to, uh, build up over time. If you start moving out from weekly and you go to something like a fortnightly schedule, that's probably still okay. Personally, I haven't seen the same level of success from a fortnightly podcast as I have from a weekly, but that could just be because there's not a lot of podcasts doing on a fortnightly schedule. Uh, The other one is sort of like anything greater than a fortnight tends to be fairly regular. So it's more like the person, the podcast runners have decided that they can't do the podcast weekly for whatever reason. And so they're just going to do it as much as they possibly can. And that might end up being that a show only comes out once a month or once every couple of months. Um, I'm going to go through some examples in a later episode where we talk a little bit more about, uh, we review some podcasts and really get into the nitty gritty. But I wanted to give you one example today of a podcast that comes out irregularly to give you an idea of what that show might look like. And that's uh, a show by Dan Carlin. It's called Hardcore History. This podcast is done because Dan Carlin is a massive history fan uh, and he has a great presentation style, but there's an incredible amount of research that goes into these shows and he has to get all that ready to go before he can release an episode. So it tends to come out every couple of months, but each episode is a few hours in length, up to something like four hours. And then he'll do massive multi-part series, like he did a series on the rise and fall of the Roman Empire, Now, that is not a small topic to cover, and it takes a lot of time to go through and do that. And hey, it works. It's hugely popular. I always look forward to it, and as soon as an episode gets released, I am just straight on that. So for him, it doesn't have to be there every week because his content is so engaging and so good and so unique that I'm going to be there no matter what. And because it's a podcast and I'm subscribed to it, as soon as that episode's released, it goes straight onto my phone and there it is ready for me to listen to. 
Okay, so that's uh, that's the cadence. Weekly is the most common, but if it works for you and your audience, whatever you want. With how long a podcast should be, that's an even greater amorphous question. What I say to anyone who asks me this question is, the show should be as long as your content requires. Need, like Dan Cullen does, four hours to be able to get through a chunk of that Roman Empire story, right, for it to make sense as, as a piece of content, then he takes four hours. If the next episode only takes two hours to get through some major plot points, then he takes two hours. That's fine. And fast rule. The most common, again, would be somewhere between 30 to 40 minutes. Uh, it's a pretty good time to pick if you think about someone's commute, usually around 30 to 40 minutes, maybe an hour. Uh, if you've got a 30-minute show, though, you fit two 30-minute shows into that commute. Uh, and the reason I use commute as an example is because uh, with this length question, I'm always looking for opinion or an answer <laughs> if it exists. And when I hear people talk about the length of their shows, no one's got a great answer. The best one I've had is from Leo Laporte, who is the is a podcaster who owns the Twit.tv network, which is a huge podcasting network, video podcasting, streams everything live. He, as someone who's been doing it since 2006, has constantly been asking this question, you know, how long should our shows be? Uh, and during one of the shows, someone was saying, uh, you know, in a feedback session that they want more content. Now, this show is already like an hour and 40 minutes long, but they want more content. And Leo said, look, I've been asking this question. I, you, you know, the only consistent answer I can get from people is they want the show to be as long as their commute is. <laughs> you know, they want to get into the car, start the show and have it turn off when they arrive at their destination. So it doesn't really help, but that's sort of the, the mindset people are in when they, when they, you know, listening to their show. So make it as long as the content. So keeping in that vein, I'm going to have a little bit of a rant here. And this is a personal opinion. I don't have any opinion or I haven't read anything to back this up, but don't do part one and part twos of a particular episode. So don't like do an interview with someone and then halfway through the interview, arbitrarily say, oh, we're going to stop this episode now and then come back to it next week and continue it on. That does nothing but ruin the energy of your show because now you've put a, an artificial break in there. The listener knows the person is still on the call and they're still there. Uh, there's no need for that. If you've got a half-hour show and your interview is going to go for like an hour and 20 minutes, right, so a little bit more than two episodes, speak with your, your guest and get that episode broken into two separate episodes. Not part one, part two. Break their content down so that it makes sense. A self-contained episode. Uh, one can be uh, 40 minutes, which is only 10 minutes over your normal half-hour length, which is perfectly fine. And then do another episode with them. Sort of like, you know, when, when people do TV shows, we all know that TV, they shoot like six episodes in one day. And they all go and get changed into different, you know, clothes to make it look like it's a different day. You want to do the same thing with your podcast, okay? The only reason that we that we do part one and part twos on TV, which is where this came from, is because they the TV people want to have a cliffhanger at the end of a season, so that when the new season starts next year in you know six months' time, you'll want to come back and start watching it again from that first episode because you want to know how that cliffhanger finished. So it's, it's a tool that's super annoying. Nobody likes a cliffhanger. No one likes to have to wait six months to find out what happened. So I don't see any reason 
in podcasting where we can, you know, have any length we want, any release schedule we want to start artificially putting in breaks into an episode. Okay, so takes a little bit of planning and just make it as if, even though you might record it in the one Skype call, whatever it is, that's fine. Make it seem as if it's two separate episodes. That's just my opinion though. So you, of course, your podcast, your rules, you do what works for you and your audience. And that goes for content length and and uh, your release frequency, what works for you and works for your audience. Just don't pick something that doesn't work for either of those two equations. You know, if you can't commit to a weekly schedule, then fortnightly is much better. Better to be regular and have less content than, well, wouldn't actually work out any more content, but having an irregular uh, release schedule is not going to help anyone. All right, so that wraps up length and frequency of release. Uh, Not exactly a black and white topic and lots of room for movement there. But hopefully that'll give you some ideas on, on what you should be doing for yourself and for your audience. At the start of the show, I made reference to a mistake I made in my first episode, and it's a very fundamental mistake, and I realized it as soon as I'd finished recording it, and I listened back, I'm like, ah, Luke, why didn't you do that? And I I gave the episode to my wife to listen to, and she's like, why didn't you do that? And I was like, yeah, I know, I saw that, and I thought I'm going to purposely leave it there so that I can talk about it in this episode. Um, Does anyone know what it is? Any guesses? I did not give you my story. I did not tell you who I am and why you should be listening to me. Why am I the expert? Um, it's such a fundamental thing that you need to to do with so many other mediums. And um, it's funny because I only just spent uh, last week uh, writing a critique of the first episode uh, for a new podcast I'm doing uh, for someone. And I told them the exact same thing. You know, you need to tell people who you are, who are your other people in your podcast, you know, why we should we be listening to you about this stuff. So... Uh, that's a yeah, fundamental thing. First episode, who are you and what's your story? Okay, so to remedy that, I'm going to give you my story now. Who am I and what's my story? Okay, so I started working, well, I say working with computers, but really started breaking computers back in 1995. Uh, I got broke my friend's computer. Then 96, when I got my own computer at home, I broke that as well, of course, because I just loved getting in there and just tinkering around with computers. Um, you know, ever, ever since then, I knew that that's what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. I didn't have any career indecision. I didn't go, oh, what am I going to do with my life? It was simple. I was going to work with computers. Done. So after finishing school, you know, I did a couple of TAFE degrees when they were still like really cheap. And I got my first job building and fixing computers. I was in heaven all that new hardware coming in, fixing things up. It was great fun. But it was working in retail, as anyone retail workers out there will know, especially when you're dealing with highly expensive equipment that tends to be a little bit flaky. Very challenging work, that's for sure. Uh, So I left that job and started working at the University of Western Sydney, uh, where a couple of my colleagues from the computer store had moved to. And that's where I first got introduced to the idea of enterprise IT, like really big computer networks with thousands of thousands of computers. And I got my first taste at audiovisual work, working with all this high-end audio equipment and big projectors and all that type of stuff. And it was fantastic. Uh, In 2007, it was a really big year for me. I married my beautiful wife, Yana, in Malaysia, in a rainforest. It was fantastic. And then when we got back, 
we both moved down to Adelaide. So Yana had finished her chiropractic degree the year before, 2006, and got a job in Adelaide. So newly married, moved to a new state, new place. It was, it was a great year. When I moved to Adelaide, I started working at the University of Adelaide. And I worked for a team in there called Teaching Technologies, where we took care of the teaching areas in the university. So all the lecture theaters, the student labs, tutorial rooms. I had about three and a half thousand computers under my control and um, 200, 300 venues, lecture theaters and tutorial rooms across three different campuses. Um, it taught me a lot about IT and about computers and how to be regimented with the way that we do things. Because when you're working with 3000 computers, you can't just willy-nilly make some changes. You need to be really specific about it. And working in teaching, working, and working in the teaching technologies uh, team, and getting to work again with all those projectors that we have in the lecture theaters and the big audio equipment and whatnot under those cabinets you see at the front was just again fantastic. Got to pick the brains of all the AV guys. Got to go out and help them install the equipment. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that and opened up a whole new world to me in this audio visual space. In 2011. When I was 28, and my wife is the same age as me, uh, we both discovered that all of a sudden our bodies weren't quite working as well as they should be anymore. You know, things started to change around that sort of uh, 30s. And I discovered wellness from a health perspective, so health wellness. And I started listening to podcasts on the topic, you know, trying to understand my body and how it works and why what we're doing wasn't working anymore, which is I'm sure it's a familiar story to people listening to this show. Um, What struck me about it the most was that people were, had ideas that worked for them and they wanted to share them with other people in case the same stuff that they learned would work for other people. And I started to hear all these amazing stories of people who had changed their lives for the better who had uh, done the hard yards, had done that personal growth and, and really come out the better for it. And, you know, I'm not a, a health person. I have no health background. So I couldn't really get up there and start talking about, you know, how to eat better or live better or think better. But what I could do was help those people get their message out. It wasn't a fully formed idea then, but it was just something that struck me like, you know, these people could do this stuff easier and better using my knowledge of technology. I am so glad that I'm in this industry because later that year, my best friend, who was 29 at the time, uh, passed away very unexpectedly. Uh, I was the first person that I had ever uh, lost before that was close to me, uh, both in a daily sort of aspect. We both worked at the university together and saw lots of each other outside of work and was so young and so close to my own age. Uh, that, uh, that was a really rough year. So it was a conflicting year, the start of the year is all like, you know, you're getting older, you need to look after yourself now so that you can, you know, live a happy and healthy life. And then bookended by, you know, you can die at any time, so live life now. There's like this sort of double reinforcement there. So in 2012, when Dr. Brett Hill, um, who's a chiropractor and host of the Wellness Guy show, uh, came to me and said, you know, they, they want to do more podcasts, but you know, they, they can't do it themselves because they're already so busy. Uh, would I be willing to step in and help them, you know, take this idea of a network of podcasts and make it a reality? 
I was like, yeah, let's do it. You know, I can uh, help spread a wellness message that I believe in. Um, and I can do something new with my life that, uh, you know, um, is going to help people and maybe help my friend who passed away. Maybe if he had had that information, uh, maybe that wouldn't have happened. So, you know, I just jumped at that and started going with the wellness couch realized that you know i really enjoy the audio engineering side of the podcasting um so it's fulfilling in that respect there's a nice challenge there and i'm getting to help people change the world it was though only a hobby until i did a mindset mastery course in 2013 with karen smith which gave me the clarity to say no i need to do this full time it needs to be my business in 2014 in april I left my job at the university and started doing the IT Wellness Pro full-time. Um, the motto of the company is we change the world by helping the people who change the world. So I'm after three or four years now of, of having that idea of wanting to do that, I'm actually able to do it, and that is just super exciting. So I'm looking forward to working with everyone out there to help them change the world. That concludes this episode of the Wellness IT Pro. As always, looking for your feedback, looking for your questions to know what to talk about next. You can email me at luke at thewellnesspro.com or you can go to my Facebook page at facebook.com slash theitwellnesspro and send me your questions. Send me your ideas, your pain points, your challenges, what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, everything. Send it to me. All right. Have an awesome day. Awesome day.